You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental Episode 1, covering listener mail and an assortment of topics. Hello, people. How's it going, everybody? We're here to not review an episode for a change. Yeah, we kind of ran out of episodes. Well, it's it's not that. We have we have tons of those, but uh, it occurs to me that as we do the reviews, I know some people are watching the show as we review them, which is cool. I, I, we, we're, what we're doing is kind of creating an episode guide, mm-hmm. you know, show to show, and it, it feels like it kind of uh, interrupts the flow of that if we stop and talk about sort of side topics or uh, answer the mail right, or stuff like that. So I thought, you know, every now and then we'll do one of these. Yes. And, and that's uh, what today is. Yes, because uh, we, we're at the end of season two. We're about to enter some, uh, as, as we've hinted at many times before, dark territory. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> this will be a nice little uh, oasis of, of fun. Before the dark before, times. Before, before Spock's yes. brain. <laughs> I, I will say, and I've said this before as well, but at least we're entering kind of a, you know, goofy, campy. Like, we're going to have fun making fun of Well, yes. Three. I mean, that's certainly going to happen. I don't. I, I think we're going to run into some boring episodes, but for the most part, I think we're going to have plenty, plenty mm-hmm. of comedic fodder. Yes, and for the boring episodes, we'll just bring back Mr. Hengus. <laughs> I heard well, you guys were having a boring episode, and I just stopped by to say hello. Oh, thank God, Mr. Hengus. Who's the? Ah, oh, there's somebody at the sarcastic voyage door. Why, it's Mr. Hengus. <laughs> what is he doing at the sarcastic voyage door? We're recording the post atomic horror. Fuck, you're right. Why do we only invest in one door? <laughs> well, if we sold more shirts, we might be able to afford a second door. Yeah, Some... what the hell, guys? That's actually no. That's uh, that's one thing I wanted to address very quickly. Was um, a couple of you mentioned that you didn't have time to buy a shirt because it was a limited thing. Uh, if you are interested, I will do a second wave of shirts. Uh, but as I've mentioned before, the the process we're using uh, has a minimum of twelve. Mm-hmm. So uh, shoot us a quick email, uh, drop us a line, however you want to, to contact us. Let us know you're interested. If 12 of you want shirts, uh, we will do more. Mm-hmm. They're great-looking shirts. Yeah. Uh, we we wear them all the time. Uh, friends of ours worn them. Um, we can do them in different colors now. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you saying I, the I, red one looked really good? The red one looked cool. Uh, our, our friend Tidro got a red one. That mm-hmm. looked great. Uh, your girlfriend got a blue one. Yep. Also looked great. Um, our, our pal Brewtown Andy actually got an orange one. Which I kind of scoffed at at the beginning, like orange, really. It looks cool. Odd choice, but okay. No, no, no. It actually, it actually looked quite nice. Oh, it's all just, right. um With the red and blue, I was just thinking more traditional Star Trek look. Sure. But uh, we have that. We can do uh, women's cuts, like you know, different uh, lady styles, um, <laughs> children's sizes, if you want that. If you want to inflict that upon your children, which you sure. know we're all for. Uh, hoodies. We can do hoodies uh, or, or sweatshirts or any, you know, any variation on the shirt theme, basically, we have available to us. Ooh, I so. didn't know that. I might want a sarcastic or a uh, post. What the hell show is this? Post-atomic <laughs> core uh, sweatshirt. Yeah. So, um, again, we need we need 12 people to commit. But uh, if you do that, I will be more than happy to place another order. What I don't want to do is guess what sizes and styles and then be left with a bunch of stuff I can't sell. Yeah. That's the problem. So, uh let us know, and, and we will do that. Um, so we have a bunch of mail to get to here, mm-hmm. actually, which is great. I do apologize that we haven't uh, had a chance to get to this stuff. We're so busy. Uh, well, as, as we mentioned, it's, it's it, you know, 
it, it feels like it interrupts the flow. We talk yeah. about two episodes, we get a guest, we talk about three episodes, that, that's really it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got we got mail here dating back to early February, so we do apologize for that. Ooh. But uh, just, just know when you send us mail, we will get to it. It just may take some time. It may take a year. Actually, quite a bit of this is from our pal Brian Lynch. Ah, um, all right. Who seems to be uh, enjoying what we're doing and, and has some great stuff to, to chime in with. So we'll, we'll get to his mail in a sec. Uh, while we're on the topic of him, I wanted to mention he has made a, a wonderful edit to uh, Memory Alpha. Oh, yes. This is really yeah. cool. Memory Alpha, if you don't know, is the is sort of the definitive Star Trek wiki. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use it all the time for, yep. for research and verifying things. And if we forgot to actually watch an episode this week, <laughs> well, there's been more than <laughs> more than one occasion where we've been kind of carried away with our joking during an episode, oh, f- and I have to go back and read the Memory Alpha summary to what happened. It's like, okay, that was a good time. Now, what the fuck actually happened? Oh, they yeah. do explain this. Well, that's a lot of jokes gone then. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh so yeah, Memory Alpha. He uh, he edited the the entry on Korax, mm-hmm. who is one of the Klingons who appeared in the Trouble with Tribbles. And I will pull that entry up now so I can read it to you exactly the way it appears. Uh, the insults, including calling Captain James T. Kirk a Denebian slime devil and calling the Enterprise, quote, a garbage scow, <laughs> eventually ignited an all-out brawl, blah, 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 blah. So it's been a week. He changed garbage to garbage, and I'm we could not be happier. I'm so proud. Yeah. So we've left our mark on on Star Trek fandom. Yep, uh, and, and it's sure, about time. No kidding. I'm sure some you know some uh, wiki Nazi at some point is going to take that away from us. But for now, the, garbage. The thing is, though, is that you know you if you read that article and you're a Trek fan, you're like, yeah, he did call the Enterprise garbage. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can't argue with this. I wish I could. Every every <laughs> atom of my- Every instinct in my how to behave on the internet uh, tells me yeah. to destroy this, but I just can't do it. <laughs> I will let you live. And then he jumps out the window. <laughs> if only. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, that's that's fun. I do like that we've gradually been accumulating various uh, sort of running things on our show. We get mm-hmm. the garbage thing. Of, uh, of course, if I can't figure out how to end anything, it's always where it'll be no triple at all. Of course. And, and then, of course, there's the, the, a certain bald gentleman that we're quite fond of. <laughs> you know, May. No, not not Captain Picard. <laughs> Make it so. <laughs> It'll be in my ready room. You mean the turbo lift? No. <laughs> um, I, speaking of Star Trek fandom, this is something I've, I've wanted to briefly address. I've heard uh, a couple of people mention this from time to time. The whole Trekkie Trekker Thing. Oh yeah, I feel like we need to weigh in on this. Um, and and for those of you who don't know, for years and years, Star Trek fans were referred to as Trekkies. Mm-hmm. It was, I think, it was a derogatory thing for a while. Then they kind of took it on themselves. Yep. Then they decided, no, the serious ones are called Trekkers. Trekkies are the, the you know the ones who just like it casually. Uh-huh. I, I don't fucking know. I, I think it's safe to say, and uh, Matt, correct me if I'm speaking out of turn here. <laughs> we don't care. No. At all. No. it's That's retarded. We like Star Trek. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, coming up with any name for it is just... Uh, it seems just like, sh- it seems like as, soon as, as soon as, like, a science fiction show sort of finds its audience, they have to suddenly find a name for themselves. I'm like, what, you can't just like the show? No, I gotta be a Trekker or a 
uh, X File or See, a I thought X File. I thought X File was clever, at least mm. P H I L E. Yeah, there's a little bit of cleverness there. For, I mean, sometimes they try really hard. Like, mm. what is a Star Wars fan? I don't even know. I've heard Star Warsian before. <laughs> a Warzy. A Warzy. I don't know. I think they just refer to themselves as a Jedi on census polls. Yeah, that's that's. Well, I know that happens in the UK, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as the whole Trekkie Trekker thing, no, 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 no. I will say when I first came to uh, Seattle, um, I, I uh, was looking to maybe you know join some kind of a social group, you know, like meet some people in person. Like most of my friends are on the internet. Sure. And the, I don't really know how people meet in actual life. I just I. I've never had the knack for that. Mm. I, I have tons of friends, but I usually meet them on the internet. I just don't know how to walk up to someone and say, "Will you be my friend?" Mm-hmm. And so there's a there's a website called uh, Meetup, Meetup.com, I think, uh-huh. which is for people with similar interests to meet up once a month or whatever and hang out. And I thought, okay, well, I just got here. This is a new place. I, this could be fun. So I typed in some of the stuff I was into, and for the Star Trek one, uh, there was like a group posting to to everyone in the group, and it said, "Dear fellow Klingons." And I said, no, like, I won't be doing that. Okay, I think we're done here. Yeah. Good night, folks. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to talk Star Trek with someone, but uh, not, not... No one who identifies himself as a Klingon. No. Or assumes like that this. I am okay with being identified as a Klingon. Yeah, look, I am not a fellow Klingon with anyone. That's no. Just, uh, for, that's for, not... for one thing, it's Klingon. <laughs> well, obviously, until we get the next gen, at least. Yeah. It's still Kling, Klingon with the hard G. Actually. Klingon. <laughs> yes. Uh, but actually, uh, uh, Tidra, who we mentioned a minute ago, said she has a friend who, who's big into Star Trek and uh, gave our show a chance and said, we don't take it seriously enough. <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's room in this in this big old universe for, for everyone, but uh, we, we have little patience for people who, uh, who take a show with, uh, with spaceships and aliens too seriously. How do... How do we not take the show too seriously? We genuinely have had conversations about Star Trek economics. Yes. We, we spent an entire afternoon fixing Voyager. We've we've done that and so much more. We've, uh, I mean, this is episode, what, 28 yeah, or I think something? So. Of, uh, you know, we, we've blown through two-thirds of the original series so far, and we're just getting started. I yeah. Mean, we love it, but on the other hand, you know, I don't know, this was a... I, to pull back the curtain a little bit here, when we started this thing, it was it was a little calculated on my part. It was mm-hmm. a little like I, I really gave it some thought as far as what we could do that we would enjoy, that people would listen to, that had the exact mix of something we're genuinely interested in, and that we could also get comedy out of. Yes, and I don't want to talk about something we just hate. I don't mm-hmm. want to talk about something we just love. There has to be, you know, both. Yes. Yeah. Before I started this, I used to do reviews of the old Transformer show, and that was the same deal where. Mm-hmm. I have, a, I have a real childhood fondness for it, but it's terrible. <laughs> it's it's kind of a you know cake and eat it too thing. We get to uh, we get to make fun of something we love, and yeah, that's the whole point. I don't want to like. I mean, there are times when we watched the Doomsday Machine, we really just wanted to come on for half an hour and tell you how amazing it was, and that was it. Yeah, and, it's like how the fuck do I write jokes about this? That was perfect. Yeah, that was really like you know when we get to the end of everything and we say which was the absolute best one, that might be it. Yeah. But we, we're here also to make jokes. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to hear someone taking this seriously and dissecting the meaning of star dates and, There's you know, plenty talking of about podcasts how podcasts will do that for you. Yeah. How warp drive works. Mm-hmm. And, 
I mean, hell, we both own the uh, the nitpickers guides. Yeah, we do. And you know, I've read them; they're fun. Mm-hmm. But I I could not do that. No. That and, that and... that dude really kind of bugs me. <laughs> but on the other hand, I I did learn some things. Oh yeah, absolutely. For instance, that guy um, pointed out something. Well, well, I hate I hate to say this, but he he made me enjoy it less because he pointed out something that now irritates me, <laughs> which is the um, the Starfleet tendency when an away team is is uh, investigating something to call back to the ship and say, "Captain, you need to come look at this." Oh yeah, <laughs> and never tell the captain what it is. Well, what is it? Well, yeah. you should probably just get down here. Okay, and, you know, but then, you can just tell me what it is. Yeah, I guess I can, but... No, and see, it's more dramatic mm-hmm. if you say, Captain, I really think you need to come see this. But that, that, did become, become, ah, that did become a bit of a cliche. What are you seeing, Commander? Looks like trouble. Well, that doesn't really help me, now does it? <laughs> but, you know, overall, I mean, we've we've done our homework. We know, like, listen, I know how star dates work in next gen. I'm, I, I will tell you that up front. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think it matters no that's the difference and i think that's why matt and i work together so well mm-hmm. we, we both approach it from the same viewpoint which is this is awesome stuff but you need to you need to step back and say you know it doesn't really matter <laughs> like it doesn't like who cares if one time you see spock bleeding and it's red it's awesome when they get that detail right, when yep. we see him bleeding green, and we always point that out because it's just a nice little attention to detail thing. But if he bleeds red one week, oh, oh well. Whatever. We'll make a joke about it and move on. Yep. Because that's that's what we're here for. Yes. So in case you didn't know, we are here to make fun of Star Trek while also loving it. Mm-hmm. So hope we got that put to bed finally. <laughs> uh, any, anything else you wanted to mention before we get to the mail here? No, I think or? we can uh, get to the mail. All right. Uh, first one here is from our friend Scott Zioko, and he okay. writes, "Dear, <laughs> dear pals, P A H L S." Okay, I kind of like that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, given Kirk's ability to best any computer, is it safe to say he would beat Brainiac in a fight? Also, how would he fare against the robots in the Matrix? Ooh, thanks, wow. Scott. Now, typically, we've mentioned this on our other show. We don't usually like the blank versus blank, like Kirk versus Picard. We will never just no, no. I, I assume we're going to get a lot of humor when we get to Picard comparing him to Kirk. Oh, yeah, definitely. But as far as picking who's better, I just I would like to say that's off limits. Forget mm-hmm. that. Just no. But Kirk think, versus Brainiac? Yeah, now that's that's outside the scope of, you know, of the show enough that I would love to entertain this. Mm-hmm. My problem is I'm not familiar enough with Brainiac in comics. I know him from the animated series, and that's about it, so... This is more a Matt question than an Al question. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kirk. He can explode any computer. Well, see, I was hoping for something a little more elaborate there. You, you know, eh, Brainiac, <laughs> not that. Mostly he just, you know, is smarter than people and punches stuff and occasionally shrinks a city. So, I mean, really? I guess if he shrinks Iowa, then, you know, Kirk might be in, in trouble. But uh, well, or, the Ender- or the Enterprise, I'd watch that episode. I did actually now, watch that episode when it was a DS9. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care for that one. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not really a fan of, like, the gimmick episodes where it's, like, obviously, oh, well, now it's a shrinking episode. Yeah. I mean, they got some laughs out of it, mm-hmm. but really, eh, I don't know, man. I'm sorry. I just really enjoy the idea of a tiny shuttlecraft flying around DS9. Excuse me. I think you'll find it's a runabout. Oh, shut up. <laughs> well, now, uh, 
this this immediately violates the thing I just said we wouldn't do. Um, but do you think Kirk would could make uh, Data's head explode? Now we're getting thinking, now we're getting somewhere. Because I was thinking robots in Star Trek. Like if we took Kirk, you know, ahead. Like what machines? Well, the Borg don't count because they're part organic. Yeah, but but Data. <laughs> hmm. Or the uh, the holographic Doctor on Voyager. He's based in software, so he's still a computer. I'm pretty sure Kirk could make the the doctor's head explode. Mm-hmm. I don't think he could make Data's head explode just because of the amount of patience Data has, seems to have. This is true. This is this is a very valid point. Like, um, I he would just keep making arguments. I like I think that might that Data might be able to stop Kirk. Fair enough. See, I don't think he could stop the doctor. And I don't know if this is canon. I read it in a book somewhere, maybe maybe even one of the books that Shatner, quote-unquote, wrote. Uh-huh. We'll get to that at some point. Mm-hmm. He, he wrote some Star Trek novels, but he didn't really write them. Um, but I, I remember seeing somewhere that uh, one of the uh, original uh, engineers, architects of uh, the Doctor, the holographic, the emergency medical holographic uh, Doctor on Voyager and apparently on other ships uh, was Doctor McCoy. Oh, really? Yeah, because he was like an admiral at that point, and he had a lot of uh, a lot of experience with the, uh, you know, with like the the upper level like changes in policy kind mm-hmm. of thing. And the whole thing was that he recognized that sometimes there wouldn't be a human there to take care of people, but he wanted to give it as much of a human touch as possible, which felt very bones to me. I like that. Where he's like, no, I don't want a cold machine. At least make it seem human. Mm. And uh, I, again, I, I think it was in one of the one of the Shatner books, but maybe in, a, in somewhere else. I don't remember where I saw this. This is definitely not something I'm imagining. I read it somewhere, but mm-hmm. who knows? We've read so much Star Trek crap; it's yeah, hard no to remember kidding. sometimes. But um, but the, the the upshot of what I'm saying is, if there's some bones in there, mm-hmm. then Kirk probably couldn't defeat him. No. <laughs> Oh fuck, that's awesome! Yeah, um, occasionally they would have uh, uh, what's his name, Robert Picardo, the guy mm-hmm. who played uh, the Doctor on Voyager, the only character we like on Voyager. Yep, Tuvok was okay, I suppose. Um, <laughs> Not Chakotay. <laughs> occasionally they would have him uh, say the old uh, "I'm a doctor, not a whatever," ah. and that was supposed to be evidence that uh, that Bones had had some. Uh, oh, like I think somebody somebody went back and retconned the fact that Bones put some of his personality in there. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, that's that's a fun idea. So, uh, and the robots in the Matrix—that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I don't think they have heads to explode. Well, it does not necessarily heads to explode. I mean, it's often just a big, like '60s version of a computer—a big mm-hmm. boxy thing that takes up most of a room. Yeah, that he blows up. So, I don't know because he'd have to talk to the to the the robot. Yeah, I don't think those were and reasoning machines. No, were they they were they were just totally like straightforward. Like. It's been a long time since I've seen the later Matrix movies, but I, I know Keanu Reeves talks to the machines at the end of the last one. I don't remember very much about it other than a horrible baby head. But I don't think Kirk would be able to have a discussion with anyone to explode it. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to think most of what I know about the backstory of the Matrix comes from the Animatrix, yeah. which was far superior to the sequels, I thought. But yep. um I don't remember specifically. Like, I thought the whole point was that they were un... You know, you couldn't really reason with them. No. It's like a Terminator. Like, there was a lot of similarities between that and Skynet and, and the Terminator films. Yeah. 
Um, I don't think he, like, I think when it, when it comes down to it, Kirk's expertise is outsmarting computers that try to think like humans. Yeah. When it's just a total, just a cold computer with no, you know, with no rationality or no, you know, no, no irrational human stuff in it. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think he can do that. No. Then Kirk drops a rock on it. (laughs) And talks about it. Like in his little uh, narrating device. As I picked up the the rock felt hard and heavy beneath my hands as I heaved it onto the gorn. (laughs) All right. Next one uh, comes from Brian Lynch. And again, we got a lot from him, but uh, this is over a long period of time. It's not like he mail bombed us. It's just, we're very lazy. Mm -hmm. Um, Dear posties. Uh, no, I think I like pals better. Pals. Uh, uh, you briefly wondered a few weeks back whether the weapons used by Kirk and Spock in a mock time were real earth weapons or what. So once again, I returned to my post as old timey weapons guy. That's right. We've had Brian on our, on our other podcast and he, uh, he does, uh, Renfest stuff. He like, yes. he's, he's got a background in, in knowing this stuff. He's one of those nerds. So we're talking about the, uh, the bladed pole things from yeah. a mock time. Yeah, uh, or Spock Amok. Yeah, that's uh, our our friend uh, Bob, who was on uh, last week, <laughs> referred to it as Spock Amok, and I wish <laughs> I wish I'd thought of that because goddamn, that was funny. <laughs> uh, so once again, I return to my post as old timey weapons guy. The Vulcan clubs, or Lerpa, which I believe is a very unvulcany sounding word, mm-hmm. I agree with him there, were original to the show, so far as I can tell. But they bear more than a little resemblance to the monk's spade, a weapon used by Buddhist monks. While the idea of a blade on a pole is common, as a pole with a weighted end, the flat, wide blade makes this the closest real-world analogy. Thank you for the awesome show, Brian. Oh, yeah, that well, makes you're well, welcome. Yeah, thanks, man. Now that makes a lot of sense because isn't a lot of uh, Vulcan mythology sort of based off of Buddhism? And I don't know in the actual show the the Star Trek book that I'm reading right now, which is an old favorite of mine that I read like mm-hmm. in the '90s, and I'm coming back to Spock's world. Awesome book, and yep. I'll be reviewing it on the on the blog here when I finish it. Um, had a lot of echoes of Buddhism in it, but that's not official canon, so I don't know. No, I, well, if, I mean that identifying something like that might have sort of led, you know, the expanded universe writers to to, to go down that direction. Well, well I think I think Vulcan. the whole idea, I think the whole idea of logic of of sort of uh, casting out your passions and trying to be, you know, calm and logical mm-hmm. is is a very essentially like Buddhist thing. I think yeah. that's. That's where that comes from. Actually, if I remember correctly, a lot of the sort of alienish, like exotic uh, trappings of, of the Vulcans came from um, uh, Hebrew, from a lot of like ancient uh, Jewish stuff. Oh, yeah. Where Nimoy would, like, the script would say some English word and he would, off the top of his head, come up with some Hebrew word that sounded a little more exotic mm-hmm. and they would use that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember specific examples off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure... Some of the Vulcan stuff borrows from from that. Doesn't the um, the live long and prosper? Hand, I'm pretty sure that's. Yeah, the, I think the hand, the hand gesture hand is uh, is a is an old like an old uh, Israeli yeah. Hebrew. I'm dry, I don't know if Jewish is appropriate here or if Hebrew. Like I don't know what the right usage is. Yeah, but it comes from like you know God's chosen people, the Old mm-hmm. Testament, that stuff. You know, dogs and cats living together. <laughs> But yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it comes from there. I know uh, the Vulcan priestess in uh, Spockamok was, um, I think, Hungarian. Right. Which is a very, like, it's not an accent you hear often in uh, Western, like, American entertainment. So it sounded strange and exotic to us because we don't hear that often. I think right. Bella Lugosi is, like, the only other one yes. that we hear who sounds like that. So, so that's also why cool. the Vulcan priestess had such a lust for blood. 
<laughs> well, yeah, but they didn't talk about that much. No, it didn't come. It comes up a lot more in the books. Yeah. Well, you know, they got a they got a lot of books to fill. Can you? Yep. All right. Next one also comes from Brian. Right. Uh, there's a few questions here. Uh, one. So infestation sucks. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and Matt's talked about that uh, on on the blog. Um, which we've mentioned before, we will continue to mention, uh, we occasionally review comics, books, like mm-hmm. all the extended universe stuff on there. So, uh, check that out. Um, what I, what I'm trying to do with that is while we're in the original series, talk about original series stuff. And as we move on, you know, like I'll review more next gen books when we get to next gen. Yeah. So that way we can kind of keep the errors. I'm not, I'm not saying we have to stick to that. No. But, but I'm saying uh... it, it, it feels like it would be nice to do Kirk and Spock stuff now. Yes. And then Picard and Data stuff later. Uh, so Infestation sucks. What franchises would you like to see Star Trek have an actual crossover with? Hmm. I would not say no to a Star Trek Star Wars crossover. I would. Really? Only because I've, seen, I've read so much bad fanfic over the oh, years. Oh, well, yeah, ignoring all of that, I would. that's something I would like to see. Uh, do you have anything particular in mind, or do you just think it would be cool to see, like, a Star Destroyer next to the, the Enterprise or something? Yeah, pretty much. That's it. Yeah, fair enough. I don't know. Wasn't there that terrible X Men Star oh, Trek crossover? God, that thing was so bad. There was yeah, a comic, and, and there was also a novel, right? And they were both atrocious. Well, I, I did. I think it was you who mentioned that the only the the only reason those existed was for the Doctor McCoy joke. Yes, exactly. Excuse Apart me, Doctor McCoy. The, yes, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, no other reason. Nope. Um. I don't know. They, they, there was talk at one point of a Star Trek uh, Doctor Who crossover, which unfortunately by the time they were making Doctor Who again, all that was left to cross over with was Enterprise. Yeah. And then that got canceled, thank Christ. Because mm-hmm. listen, I like Doctor Who. I like Star Trek. I would love to see them come together in some creative way, but uh, doing it with Enterprise would just be kind of a waste. Yeah, I mean, from what we've seen of Assignment Earth, I could totally see, you know, like 60s-era Doctor Who meeting 60s-era Star Trek. That would be awesome. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, even now. Yeah. If you could somehow, I don't know, I'm like, uh, with the next-gen crew or maybe with the new, like, rebooted uh, Enterprise crew, mm-hmm. like, have, you know, Chris Pine, Captain Kirk meet um, Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. That could be fun. Who am I kidding? I just want to watch Kirk fight some Daleks. <laughs> that would be pretty great. Yeah, it would. He could totally make a Cyberman's head explode. Right? Yeah, it would be awesome. With a logic puzzle. Mm-hmm. I'd put it to you then, Cyberman. <clears throat> yeah, that would that would be a lot of fun. Um, I'm trying to think. I, he didn't say science fiction franchises specifically. No. So, I mean, we could... Uh, of course, there's my now infamous... Uh, oh, I was hoping you'd bring this up. <laughs> awful fanfic that I once wrote. Uh, actually, I... The problem is I don't think it's awful, and that's why I'll never put it on the internet, because I secretly know that it is. Mm -hmm. But I'm not ashamed enough of it. Uh, Twin Peaks Star Trek crossover. (laughs) Where I I speculate that uh, the way they describe the Black Lodge in Twin Peaks is very similar to the way they describe the Nexus in uh, Generations. Mm -hmm. And uh, they could, you know, be the same thing, and... and, So Kirk just spent years and years wandering around between curtains. Yes, exactly. Well, no, that's the waiting room. He actually made it into the White Lodge, and that's what ah. the Nexus is. It, it, look, it all made sense, okay? Again, the problem is that I don't think it was bad. <laughs> and secretly, I know that it is bad, and I don't want to put it on the internet. And, you know, Secretly, I think it was the finest thing I ever wrote. And... Well, it was the first thing I ever wrote, so I have a sentimental attachment. Like, it's the first thing I ever finished. Uh-huh. So I was like, well, I can't hate this or that. You know, the whole foundation of everything I've ever done kind of falls apart. <laughs> 
No. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think. I read uh, fanfic-wise. I'm trying to think if uh, there was one good, actually good one that never got finished. Because the, the good fanfic I've read never does get finished. No. It's always like, here's the first two chapters, and then it goes This away. is excellent. And then they get bored and wander off. Yeah. There was a dude named, he was he called himself Mr. Lizard. And I don't even know if he's still around. But uh, he wrote a lot of Transformers fanfic. Uh-huh. Which was quite good. And he did a Transformers DS9 crossover. Oh. Which um, sounds dumb. Yes. But uh, no, it was it was really good. There's a there's a character in Transformers uh, in, in the original G1, like, you know, the, the cartoon I grew up with. Mm-hmm. There's a character who is just a con artist. His name is Swindle, and that's what he does. He's just a con artist. And teaming him up with Quark was just a lot of fun. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Um, I could see more crossovers with inter-Star Trek crossovers. Yeah, that's the sort of thing I'd actually like to see. We've mentioned, uh, speaking of Quark, we've mentioned maybe Quark and Harry Mudd or Quark and... Uh, Cyrano Jones. Yeah, or all of them. That would be so awesome. I would read the sh- I would read the shit out of a caper novel that was about those three. <laughs> or maybe like Worf ha- goes back in time for some reason. <laughs> no, I don't. Worf like teaming up with one of the original Klingon captains. Yeah, like back in the day and having to learn what it really means to be Klingon. Mm-hmm. That could be fun. One of the things I liked about the uh, the Dominion War uh, expanded universe stuff was that it got everyone that was in that sort of era into the Dominion War. I always thought that was really cool. Like yeah, it had the what the uh, what the Enterprise was up to. Um, well, that's the thing is DS Nine sort. Of, I mean, it was great to watch all the characters we loved, but they mm. did imply that the entire Federation was at war. Yeah, so you got a lot of extra ground to cover. That's a good idea to write expanded stuff on that. Mm. Yeah, um, but you know, inter inter Star Trek stuff would be fun. I think. Yep. Uh, I know there are more things. I probably should have prepared for this ahead of time, and I do apologize. I'd also put I'd also put that guy who traveled, uh, who said he came from the future, uh, Berlinghoff Rasmussen. Was that his name? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's that's one of my crazy like autistic like <laughs> Star Trek facts that I know that just I will never go away. Just like uh, best of both worlds happened on Star Trek uh, Star Date four three nine nine point one. Okay then. Uh, I have no reason to doubt you. No, I would put him in the caper novel, too. Very well. Um, Brian continues, too. Along the same lines, TNG had a Robin Hood episode. What classic story would you like to see reenacted by the original series crew? I'd like to see Oliver Twist with Kirk as Mr. Brownlow. Spock as Fagin, Bones as Sykes, and Sulu as Oliver. I don't know Oliver Twist, so I couldn't tell you. I think Star Trek should do what all series do at some point or another and do a Christmas Carol episode. Oh, no. I think Spock needs to learn the true meaning of Christmas. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. All right. I don't know. I Again, gimmick episodes. Like, I didn't like the Next Gen Robin Hood episode. I think I'm the only one. It just felt like, hey, let's make them Robin Hood. It, it feels lazy. It feels like they're not even trying. And uh, that's generally how I feel about that. We could make them Robin Hoods? <laughs> I mean, it was cute, and it had some fun moments, but it just it felt kind of forced to me. All right. But uh, I know a lot of people like it, and, uh, they, you know, hey, great. You, it's probably because you're not taking it as seriously as I am, and I need to take my own advice. I just think there's room for episodes like that where things get weird and kind of goofy. I agree. I totally agree. But I think in the original series, for instance, I think there were some fun episodes that were fun on their Like Trouble with Tribbles. Mm-hmm. That's not trying to be a story we've seen before. But it was still fun and goofy. No, I know. Or or an episode like Shore Leave, 
Spanx, where, uh, you know, you have goofy stuff going on, but it's not really necessarily, you know. Mm. Like, that could have just been Alice in Wonderland with Star Trek, and thankfully they did other stuff yep. in it. That's just, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not too keen on that kind of a story. All right. It just doesn't feel very imaginative to me. Uh, let's see. Uh, Brian continues. I'm just freestyling here. The original series crew is Voltron. Who forms what body part? Um, oh, I don't know anything about Voltron. No, me neither. Except that they were a bunch of lions who, like, got into an orgy and became a big robot. Yeah. A little weird. If you'd said Power Rangers, they might be able to help you, but uh, that's about it. If he'd said Transformers, I might have been able to help him. Yeah. But, uh, Sorry. Otherwise, no. I never watched no. Voltron. No, me neither. They never showed Voltron where I lived, mm. so uh, I have that at least. Um, and he says, for Mares, would you tap that? She's the... Uh, no, I, I know. The cat, the cat alien. Yeah, but the, the listeners might not. The The animated series is one that not many people are familiar with. They will be after we talk about it. Yep. Uh, she's the cat alien who serves... Uh, on the Enterprise, uh, one of several replacements for Chekhov. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get Walter, or they, they didn't have the money to have Walter Koenig on the cast, so they replaced Chekhov with several aliens, which, hey, great. I can approve of that. I wish they'd do it right now. I, yeah, me too. I do like when there are aliens serving on the Enterprise. Yeah. I like that it's not all humans with a Vulcan. Like, mm-hmm. it's cool. And actually, in Spock's world, there's a, there's a, there's a Horta. There's a, uh, some kind of crystalline spider thing. There's yep. like all kinds of different weird aliens, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, is pretty hot, but, I uh, I don't know. Is that bestiality? No, that's just furries, but I'm not into that either, so. Fair enough. See, I think when they resemble Earth animals, that makes it weirder to me. Yeah. All right. Like when they just... Uh, I mean, you're not wrong, just, but... When they're just aliens, that's one thing, but if uh, they actually resemble something we have here, that makes it weirder. Well, I could see myself banging this thing. It looks nothing like what we have on Earth. Yeah, this is just exotic. Yes. It doesn't look like a cat. 17 uh, boobs. Interesting. Interesting if true. <laughs> Uh, another one from Scott. He writes, what type of game would you be your ideal Star Trek game if one was made for today? Uh, would the game for the original series be different than the one for Next Gen or Deep Space Nine? Why do you think a regular game hasn't been made since uh, he calls it best Star Trek? Uh, I call it fake Star Trek. Mm-hmm. The 2009 movie came out a couple of years ago. I didn't include the MMO because I don't think that's still active and I'm too lazy to check. Thanks, Scott. Uh, we talked about this a bit on our uh, Sarcastic Voyage episode when we had uh, uh, Gav on. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the games that they've done over the years have not been very good. No, they have not. The 25th anniversary game, uh, which had a sequel, Judgment Rights, those two games were fantastic. Yeah, I would like to see more of that. They were basically point-and-click adventures where uh, divided up into episodes. Each one was like four or five smaller stories. Mm-hmm presented as Star Trek episodes where you'd beam down with your landing party and you'd solve puzzles and those were great. They were also among the first talking games. Yep. Like they were on, on CD and you got the whole cast and that was fantastic. Each mission had the opportunity to kill a red shirt. Yep. I think I think you got points deducted from your score for that but you, you only did, got but like... it was so worth it. You only got game over if you killed like Scotty or Spock or something. Yeah. Um... So yeah, I would love to see more of that, but you know I'm a I'm a I'm a big point and click fan. That's that's obvious. Yep. Um, I would also like to see a decent uh, Star Trek based strategy game. Um, I think it's a good idea. I just don't don't think they've ever done it. What? Well, like a like a fleet battle kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. 
maybe like the Dominion War where you're deploying ships to fight things. And- yeah, or um, I would also be fine with one of those sort of like uh, one of those games where you run like a galactic civilization. I forget what they're called. I think I know what you mean. Yeah. There, there was a there's a series I'm thinking of, and I can't remember the name of it now. Uh, you're more the game guy than I am. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe something like Spore or like what Spore promised to be and failed to deliver, where you you grow an alien and you grow a culture and then you contact other cultures. That could be yeah, fun. something like that. You know, where you're setting up like you you know you're setting up trades with other races and you know right doing the whole diplomacy thing doing the whole war thing it's just like civilization in space but also star trek right that would be okay i occasionally would play super nerdy games of civilization where i would i would be the federation and i would rename the other guys like the klingons oh yeah I've, I've done that yeah of course you have god we're dorks did you um, did, did you download the palette swap so that you could actually have like uh <laughs> No, but that this was like uh, early '90s before there was a lot of this stuff on the internet. So uh-huh. uh, unfortunately, that wasn't available at the time. But uh, that would definitely add to it. <laughs> um, I would love to see some kind of a sandbox game, but I don't know how that would work. Yeah, I was sort of hoping for something like that with the uh, the MMO RPG, but that sort of didn't take off. I, from what I see with the MMO, and I, I mostly this is Amanda telling me, and I believe her because she knows her way around yep. stuff like that. But she says everyone who plays is a captain of their own ship. Yes. That does not seem fun to me. It seems more fun where you organize a party where someone is the science officer, someone is the doctor, someone yep. and so on. And that seems to lend itself naturally to your standard role-playing game where each person has a, a specialty. Yeah. And you're all serving aboard one ship. Yeah. So I don't no, know. No, I was really that. excited for the, that game, and then it just wasn't what I wanted to play. Yeah. Um... I'm trying to think because I'm, you know, I'm not as big a game guy as you are, so I'm really not sure. I don't know. It's it seems like a big waste of potential. It seems like you got all these guys who aren't really working now. I mean, mm. you know, you could definitely get Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis and and Michael Dorn and you know, yeah, pro- probably Renee Abujua and like <laughs> Abujua. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and um, George Takei, who is, like, beating down everyone's door to play Captain Sulu before he drops dead. Yep. And, you know, like, there's no reason why they shouldn't be exploiting this world more than they are. Mm-hmm. It's just strange to me that games come out with relatively little fanfare, they don't do well, and then they disappear. Yeah. See, and the thing is, they've gotten, like, there was a Trek game that came out a few years ago that had all the captains in it. Yeah, I saw that. And like, it, then it just disappeared because yeah. nobody cared. Well, and it also wasn't very good. I tried I don't get playing it, it and it's, this is... Well, that's shady. probably why no one yeah. cared, but... I the, the way I do things with, with games and with most things is I wait for word mm-hmm. of mouth. I I hear about something, then I wait to see what people think, and if a lot of people like it, yeah. I'll go get it. And nobody said a word, so I assumed it was mm-hmm. just crap. Uh, which is unfortunate, because, yeah, really, I mean, that's probably the only single, like, existing thing that had all yep. the captains in it. All four captains. Which... The next one comes from our pal Handsome Dan from Down Under. And he writes, Dear Alan Matt, seeming that you've just done the Tribble episode, well, it's been some time now, but when he wrote this, we had just done it. <laughs> yes. I thought I thought maybe now would be the time to ask a question. DS9, of course, did that awesome crossover episode. Do you think there could be any other original Trek episodes that could have had a crossover? Uh, or do you think there was a uniqueness to the Trouble with Tribbles that makes it the only one they could have done? So this is similar to what I brought up, but not the same. Yeah. They, I, I was reading, they actually discussed um, other episodes they could have done. 
when they were when they were hashing this one out. I know yeah. R- Ron Moore talked about maybe going back to Mobster Planet, only now it's like Star Trek Planet. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is fun, but... I mean, none of those are bad ideas. I just think that Trouble Tribbles is the best thing I could have done for this. See, I don't know. Like, I think that worked well, but there's Mm -hmm. nothing inherently about that episode that says crossover to me. Well, I mean, like, what would you do? I'm not sure. I'm I'm trying to think. Most of my favorite episodes, unfortunately, involve important events that you really don't want to throw time travel in and and screw up. Of course, there's uh, the book that we go on and on about uh, Federation, Mm -hmm. which... Uh, sort of inserts itself between uh, the Sarek episode and something else. I don't uh, the oh, oh right, the Zephram Cochran episode. Yeah, which so it's not technically in an episode, but it's between two important episodes. Yeah, something like that. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of concepts you could come back to. There's of course the Guardian of Forever, which putting Harlan Ellison aside, like is you know, is certainly for... yeah, certainly a way to do that. Yeah. But I mean, there's you know, there's other there's other concepts that aren't immediately coming to mind now. I don't know. I remember hearing, and this isn't an episode, but it's a movie that they had a plan at one point during Next Gen to uh, bring back Khan, and they oh never really? Did. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember like it, the, the plan actually sounded good. It didn't sound stupid or contrived at all. But uh, Ricardo Montalban was getting old, and he didn't want to do it. Uh huh. Um, it's understandable. I'm not I'm I'm not working up my chest again. No, he was growing very fatigued was the problem. <laughs> so fatigued. And then one day he just fatigued himself to death. He was like 80 or something. Yep, that's what happened. Yeah, true story. Mm-hmm. Um, no, and I can't remember now. There was also at one point, and I may have imagined this, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I read uh, before Generations got made, there were two competing uh, ideas for uh, uh, a Kirk Picard thing. One of them was uh, what what we saw, and the other one was, and again, I might be making this up, but I swear someone uh, like pitched this, um, where the Enterprise D encounters the Tholians. Uh, oh, in the forthcoming Tholian web episode, we haven't done yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and Picard, like, there's no records of what happened and how they got out of it. Oh. P- Picard doesn't know what to do, so he goes down to the holodeck and creates a Kirk to talk to and ask for advice. And Kirk apparently is, like, super hostile to him, and he has to, like, reprogram it, and, mm-hmm. and there's apparently some fun character stuff. And again, I swear I read this somewhere, and I can't find any reference to it now. I mean, it doesn't sound... But that... That's not a bad idea. It just doesn't sound like anything I'd want to see in a movie. You know, that sounds I, like an episode. Yeah, that's true. But it is a fun way to bring guys back without necessarily resorting to their very old or time travel. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have been a fun way to have a simulated version of Kirk. Yes. There on the holodeck. That would have been neat. And again, I, I swear I, I read something about how, like, there was a lot of personality problems and Picard kept having to change the personality. And, <laughs> like, there would have been some fun character stuff with, you know, they don't get along at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's possible I dreamt all this. <laughs> but it sounded like a fun idea. Um, but it's something like that or something, you know, something where a a more modern crew like the... the uh, Picard's crew or Cisco's crew runs into something that the original series did and then having to go back to someone who went through that and, and figure out how to get out of it. Mm. Like, how did you defeat the Gorn? Oh, I dropped a rock on him. Oh, a rock. I didn't a, think of can that. Can you get a rock? Get a rock. <laughs> so I, I think something like that. Something where you don't necessarily go into an episode, but you revisit, you know. Yeah, I can see that. I think, I think there should be an entire series on 
the Starfleet cleanup crew that goes back behind Kirk and revisits all the planets that he left in ruins. <laughs> that could be fun. Oh, God. All the illegitimate children and mm. collapsed civilizations. <laughs> oh, Lord, what are we supposed to do? Or, you know, those time cop guys. That that would have been another thing. I would watch the shit out of that. I'm amazed, I'm amazed that there isn't a comic series or a book series based on the time cops. I know, right? Like, that seems like such a wasted opportunity. Which, uh, if if you don't know, there was a, of course, the DS9 episode we were just talking about, uh-huh. the, uh, the but, one where the DS9 crew goes back into the trouble with Tribbles. And uh, the, the framing device is these two guys from, what is it, Temporal? Temporal Investigation Bureau. Right. Which is like the uh, the time travel FBI of, of Starfleet. Yep. In fact, I believe Com- those, comes in deep- those guys' names were anagrams of Mulder and Scully. Oh, right. Yeah, they were. Um, they, they come and uh, debrief Cisco on what happened in his time travel adventure and he's like i met kirk oh god that guy he was a menace (laughs) a lot of a lot of fun stuff and there's really a lot of potential there because people are time traveling all the time and these guys must have their hands full trying to sort out what happened Mm -hmm. and paradoxes and prime directive stuff and that 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 could have been a lot of fun but whatever uh next one comes from flonk and he writes dear alan matt recently you brought up the heaven's gate cult did you know Nichelle Nichols' brother was one of the cult members? Oh, Lord, really? They also, they also called themselves the Heaven's Gate Away Team after Star Trek. It's true. Oh. I have no reason to disbelieve him. No, nope, I uh, believe it. I'm not, I'm not going to look that up. I either. believe it, but it makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one more from Brian, and he writes, Dear Post-Atomic Horrors. All right. Uh, first of all, I thought you'd like to know the Sonic Screwdriver debuted on Doctor Who less than a month before Assignment Earth Air. Oh. And all, all it did then was drive screws without all the fancy functions of Gary Seven's device. Huh. Uh, and the psychic paper didn't appear until 2005. So if anything, Doctor Who was ripping off Star Trek. Huh. That's kind of That is cool. kind of cool. Thanks, man. Uh, now for my question. I have a wedding to attend and we'll have to drive quite a ways to get there. Therefore, I will not be listening to your show for the next several weeks. But you have that a is, wedding that lasts that several weeks? That is a long drive, sir. Yeah. Uh, that I may have a backlog of fresh entertainment and the companionship on the lonely road. Well, that's mm. good. Uh, this means that by the time I hear this, it will be the future. The future. The future. What message do you have for the future? The future. The future. Uh, yours in sun, not the sun in the sky, the sun of God. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think we've, we've more or less covered the future mm. at this point. Um. You got anything? I just, uh, I mean, it's a good question. I just don't know how to answer it. Try, try not to get into any slow dances with the bride's parents. Is that a thing? I, I just think it's good advice. From the, oh, distant, from the past. distant past. It happened today mm-hmm. in the past. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the mail we have. I think that's all the uh, outstanding things we wanted to discuss. Yep. Um, I had a note here that I wanted to discuss food on Star Trek, but I couldn't really think of anything to say about that. Red so. celery. That's about it. Which I think is rhubarb. Is it rhubarb? God. I think rhubarb is like a celery-looking red thing, so. I There's this part in Trouble with Tribbles, right, where Kirk orders a chicken sandwich and coffee, and it comes out as Tribble. And I just like to believe that he goes he goes back later, chicken sandwich and coffee, and it spits out some little multicolored cubes and a piece of celery, and a, bo- and a glass of clear stuff. And he goes, ah, that's what I wanted. 
See, I think that's, you know, we might be in the future of, uh, of food pills. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense to me. Um, whereas, you know, by next gen, we can now, like, uh, replicate actual food again. But there must have been a point before they had replicator technology where food is just, you know, ridiculous to store. I yep. mean, fresh food would be nuts. So, yeah, food, food pills would be totally the way to go. Oh, sure. Or I liked the concept on Voyager that they never followed through with. The fact that they, the replicators were, you know, unnecessary energy expenditures, so they had to have an actual chef. Yeah. It was a neat idea, but again, but like most the, things on that show, failed the... Yeah. <laughs> wasted potential. Yes. But that's a rant for another day. Yeah, we'll, uh, that, we'll definitely That's a rant that. for seven years from now. <laughs> uh, so that's all. Um, next week we will begin season three. Yep. With, with easily the most... Um, schizophrenic lineup of episodes we've ever had mm-hmm. Spock's brain and the enterprise incident oh dear yeah but after that uh it's it's a little it's gonna be a little shaky for a while uh if we haven't mentioned before we will then be doing the animated series uh, i i think i mentioned that earlier in this mm. episode and then um, we're uh well the the because a lot of people just don't count that i yeah. think we do and we're gonna fly through those though yeah um and then into the movies and then on to next gen mm-hmm that is the plan. Yep. So that's all. Um, send us more mail, but know that we might not get it for a while. Yep. Probably um, not until the end of season three. Yeah. Uh, continue to tell your friends about the show. We've we've been seeing a lot better numbers than we expected. We do appreciate that. Uh, find, and again, find your friends who say that we're too serious a Star Trek show and tell them that they're that they're being ridiculous. And push them out of a window. Yes. But off the first floor, because I don't want to be responsible for no. anybody's actual death. Um, but yeah, and oh, and the shirt thing, if you're interested, uh, drop us a line. Mm-hmm. And that's all. We'll be back next week. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2011. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. <laughs>